Thank you, worship team, and good morning, everyone. Uh, what a week it has been. I have some pictures on the screen. Yesterday, the Buckeyes took care of Michigan, Dobbins, and Fields, and wow, what a game that was. If you don't care, I don't know why. But <laughs> Black Friday's behind us, Cyber Monday coming up. Thanksgiving, I hope you had a great time with family and you got your fill of whatever. On the upper left, though, is a picture of the shoeboxes we've collected over the last few weeks. Uh, this past Monday, the chapel, all three campuses, we shipped somewhere overseas to needy kids 1,522 shoeboxes. Thank you. And that's above what we did last year, so thank you for that. In the lobby still is our giving tree, which blesses the community ministries we're attached to. Uh, just take an ornament and make a donation, maybe even on the behalf of someone, and take that ornament home, put it on your own tree. So thank you. So Christmas, here it comes. The other night we were in our small group, and somebody in our group said, yeah, my Christmas shopping's all done. And somebody else said what we all were thinking, well, it's not even December 24 yet. I, I do love the Christmas season, but the busyness and the craziness can sometimes make me lose perspective of what Christmas is all about. Do you know what I mean? That's, uh, so, so I'm glad for the Advent season. Uh, many of you grew up in churches where you celebrated Advent, even with an Advent wreath. We'll light the candles in a little while. And Advent means revealing or appearing. It's, it's anticipating the revealing of Christ, the appearing of Christ on Christmas Day. In a sense, Advent season is a way to slow things down, to, to help us to remember what Christmas is all about. I need that. You need that. When our, when our family was young, when our kids were little, we have three children, uh, my wife Annette and I knew we needed to introduce some traditions into our home to remember what Christmas is all about. So she brought in some traditions from her home, and I brought uh, some from mine. And so together we came up with something we do every Christmas. Uh, of course, Christmas Eve, we have Chinese food. I think we got that from a Christmas story. So anyway, that, that's a whole other story, not super spiritual. I ended up getting our son a BB gun, too. I, that, that movie influenced me way too much. He hasn't shot his eye out yet. That's good. Uh, but on Christmas morning, we'll wake up, the stockings are full, there's gifts under the tree. But we'll sit at the table and we'll have our coffee, you know, and, and my wife every year makes these wonderful pecan rolls. We call them sticky buns. They're the best thing in the world. We finish that and then we clear the table and then we take out the Bible and we'll read from Luke chapter 2. Maybe you do that too. It's the Christmas story and we'll take turns. We'll pass it around the table. And then, and then in the middle of the table is this. This is our, this is, we've had this for so many years. It's a little Advent wreath. You can see the places where the, where the four candles go. And then in the middle goes the Jesus candle. And we'll light each candle and talk about what each one means. We'll talk about hope. We'll talk about love. We'll talk about joy. We'll talk about peace. And in the middle is the Jesus candle. We'll light that. And then... We did this ever since the kids were little. We still do it. Everyone picks a carol that we'll sing together. We usually only sing one stanza because we can't remember the rest. I like to sing the Messiah on my own. I'm just joking. Not really. But at the end, you, if you notice uh, on, on, the, on the wreath here, around the edges are the, the images of little children from around the world. And we'll, we'll always end by pointing at each child and sing the song, Jesus loves the little children. 
All the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Don't you guys wish I was in the choir? Yeah. And, uh, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go tear into the gifts. That's our Christmas morning. It's a, it's, it's, it's a tradition that has worked for us, and maybe you have your own tradition. But it's a way for us to, to slow things down, to remember what Christmas is about. That's so important. Uh, one of my uh, favorite Christmas verses, although it's not typically thought of as a Christmas verse, is this one from uh, John chapter 1 in the message version. The word, Christ, the Messiah, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus, fully God, fully man, came to live among us in our neighborhood. And so in this Advent season, each weekend, we'll light a candle and remember what Jesus brought into the neighborhood, what he is willing to share with each one of us, hope and love and joy and peace. This morning, it's a bit of a different service. What we're going to do is actually light each one of the candles and talk about why each one symbolizes that particular characteristic of God, of Jesus. And then, after we light that candle and talk about it, we're going to sing in response. We'll worship together in response to what we've just learned. And so, this morning, uh, what we want to start with is the hope candle. Let's see if I can get this one to light. Or even turn, there we go. This is the hope candle. There. There are so many verses in the Bible that deal with the idea of hope. And this is one of them. Paul writes in Ephesians, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You can see from this that, it, that light is needed to find hope. Maybe like me, you've been in a setting where, for example, when I used to do a lot of camping, and I'd be under the canopy of the woods, and maybe there was no moonlight or no starlight, and, and I would put my hand in front of my face, and, and I could not even see that. Or perhaps you've been a, in a dark room, and you're moving ever so slowly, trying not to bump into furniture or to stub your toe, right? And then somebody lights a candle or turns on the light, and it just changes everything. Well, forget the dark room for a moment. What about our lives? I think we all know what it means for darkness to come over our lives. Maybe even this morning you feel some despair. Maybe you wonder, which way is life going? What's around the corner? What's next? You can feel that darkness. And then hope changes everything. Even a smidgen of hope can help us move on. I've always liked this verse from John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I am the light of the world. The, the idea of hope is tied to the idea of trust. This morning when you walked in, you sat in that chair hoping it would hold you after all that Thanksgiving food. Or when you got in your car and drove here, you hoped it would get you here. Or yesterday when you watched the Buckeyes, you hoped they would win. That was a well-placed hope. We, we place our hope in things all of the time. 
I have put my hope in Jesus, trusting he knows how to take me through the dark valleys of life. One of the uh, perhaps most well-known verses in the Old Testament, certainly in the, in the book of Psalms, is this one. Maybe you know it better from the King James. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But the NLT says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherds in those days, when they would take their sheep through the valleys, these deep valleys, the predators would hide behind rocks waiting to prey upon the sheep. And the, the shepherd would carry a rod to beat off the enemy and a staff to guide the sheep to still waters and green pastures. The shepherd knew exactly where he was going. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. Whatever darkness you are feeling today, I can guide you through that. Just follow me. Even if it's the deepest, darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus says, I... I know how to get you through that too. Just follow me. Put your hope in me. Which is why we begin with the hope candle. He is the source of our hope, willing to give us that hope. And so next we light the candle representing God's love. <clears throat> In my hands, I have uh, the first Bible I ever owned. This was given to me at graduation just a couple years ago, <laughs> high school. And, uh, you know, I didn't, become, I didn't become a Christ follower until I was age 20. I had never read the Bible. I grew up in church, but I just had never read it. But after I became a believer, I wish I could take you to the dorm room and show you right where I sat. I remember exactly where I sat when I first opened this little book. And I started reading in John's little letter, 1 John. The theme throughout is love. And I have so many different verses underlined and highlighted, but there's one that I have starred, and it's the one that's on the screen. It simply says this, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, it took some years for me to begin to understand, not that I've arrived yet at all, but to begin to understand the various nuances of the idea of love. And eventually I, I understood this too, that back in the days when the Bible was written, there were actually four different words used to express the various forms of love. We usually we just have one word, love. But, but the first kind of love was the kind of love you would say about sitting around the Thanksgiving table with your friends. I love being with my friends. I loved being with my family, most of them. I loved it, like Cousin Eddie. But, but there's a second kind of love. Uh, that's where you say, I, I love football. I love pecan pie. I love coming to church. I love whatever it is. Or maybe somebody expresses love for what you did. The third kind of love is the ooh-la-la kind of love. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the emotional kind of love, the passionate kind of love. It's the kind of love that sells movies and sells books. It's the kind of thing that infatuation is made out of. And it's a good kind of love, 
but it ebbs and flows. The fourth kind of love is the, is the noblest kind of love. It is the richest kind of love. It is the deepest, most profound kind of love. It is the highest form of love. It's the kind of love that the Bible most celebrates because it's the kind of love that represents God's character. It's the kind of love that doesn't change. It's the kind of love that says, even if you mess up, I won't go anywhere. It's the kind of love that doesn't say, I love you if, I love you because, or I love you when. It's the kind of love that says, I love you, period. It's the kind of love that a bride and groom exchange to, with each other when they share their vows. It's the kind of love that Christians are called to express to one another. It's the kind of love that doesn't go anywhere. It's the kind of love that is given freely. It's the kind of love that's sacrificial, expecting nothing in return. If we were to be in a small group and ask this question, what's, what's the one verse out of the entire Bible that you think of when you hear the word love? What comes to mind? And chances are, perhaps the one on the screen would would come to your mind, for this is how God loved the world. Some versions say, for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God has given freely to each of us. The only thing he asks in return is your love in return. And we express that by following Jesus. I love how Paul develops the idea of God's love some years later after Jesus walked the earth. We go through difficult times. Sometimes we think we've blown it. How could God love me? Sometimes we think, oh, I'm for sure I'm outside the reach of God's love now. Every now and then we'll actually end the services with the verses we're about to look at as a benediction because it's that important for us to remember. And this is what Paul writes. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are in Christ, do you think you've escaped God's love? Not a chance. We light the candle of love to remember. When you know you're loved and you have hope, that leads to joy. And so we light the candle of joy. Um, Perhaps you recognize this from the Christmas story, but the angel reassured them, the shepherds, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. You ever thought about what joy is? What is joy? I I had a chance to see it a couple weeks ago. Um, The chapel was supported for 
a lot of years now, almost 20 years, a ministry in Mexico called Dayspring Outreach Ministries. And we've sent a number of teams there over the years, and I've never been there, so I had a chance to go for about four days to visit with them to see what they do. Rob Wolf from our global leadership team, he went with me and got to see joy in person. Uh, we visited an orphanage. Uh, this is a, a picture of the, uh, some of the kids on the left-hand side. I, I, it's hard to explain. I, I, can't, I don't have time to go into the, the, the details of the, the horrors these kids have experienced, being abandoned by their parents, being abused by their parents. And yet, uh, in this picture, they're singing songs of joy, and they mean it because they feel so loved where they are, and they feel such hope because of where they are and how they are learning about how Jesus loves them. Even the workers there at Dayspring are just amazing, the joy they have. Um, they don't have much. Their circumstances are horrible. And yet there's this deep, deep joy. It's really something. When we take uh, teams to different places in the world, like Burundi or we're going to Cuba in February. It's not too late to sign up for that, but you need to do that soon. Or to India or wherever it may be. Uh, invariably, team members will say, I can't believe the Christians there. They have nothing. They have nothing. And yet, they're, they're filled with joy. <laughs> in fact, oftentimes team members will return and say, I went to help and serve them. But in return, they helped and served me because of the joy that they had. I've always been drawn to Paul's words in the letter to the Philippians. You know, we just got done reading through or studying through Colossians. He wrote that from the same jail where he wrote Ephesians and then in Philippians. And in chapter 4, these are Paul's words as he's chained to a guard or to a wall, as he's lost his freedom. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's a command that he gives. How can he command us to be joyful? Maybe you know this verse from James, who is writing to a dispersed people because of persecution. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I mean, how can that, how can that be? How can Paul command us to be joyful in difficult times? How can James suggest that we be joyful in, when troubles come? And that's because of what joy is and because of what joy is not. Joy is not pretending that everything's okay and I don't have any problems. Joy is not putting our heads in the sand saying life is not difficult. It is at times. But joy, joy is this deep, settled confidence that God is in control. Joy is this understanding that I am in God's hands. Joy is this confidence, this, this awareness that God has not lost sight of me. He has a purpose and a plan for my life. There's no question. Joy is a gift from God. When a person becomes a Christian, the fruit of the Spirit begins to develop within, Paul writes in Galatians. and says, you will have love and joy and peace and patience. It grows inside. And we look at Jesus who who went to the cross, and as he's praying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And the reason he went to the cross was because, we're told in Scripture, of the joy that was set before him, which means you and me being brought to God. 
Over the next few weeks, we're going to um, look at some of the most famous Christmas carols. And one of them will be Joy to the World. You know, Joy to the World, we think of Christmas time, of course. But, you know, Joy to the World was actually written not with the first advent in view, but with the second advent in view. When Jesus will come again. He will come again and make all things right. And that brings joy to the heart. And it will bring joy to the world. And so we have joy. And that is why we light the candle of joy. This is the peace candle. Somewhere during the next weeks, Christmas time, we'll be singing this song, I'm sure. Hark the herald angels sings, sing. As kids, if you, you want to like, who's herald? <laughs> Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Last night I watched the very end of It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. I love that movie. But they sing this song at the very end. God and sinners reconciled. So let's say you're at a neighborhood Christmas party or you're at a company Christmas party or at a family Christmas party and there's a lull in the conversation and, and you say, you know, the real reason for Christmas is so that we sinners can be reconciled with God. That's a party killer. <laughs> Pass the eggnog. But you would be exactly right. Perhaps you've heard this story. Just over 100 years ago, World War I began. And the story goes like this. It was Christmas Day. And, you know, World War I is notorious for its, how horrific it was in trench warfare. One side was in one trench. The other side was in another trench. But a soldier in one trench decided, you know, it's Christmas Day. And he started to throw cans of corned beef into the other trench. And then a little while later, from the other trench come some chocolates and sweets. And then ever so slowly, ever so cautiously, they begin to emerge from their individual trenches. And they met in the middle. It was Christmas Day, and they gave greetings. And one story says that they even began to sing Silent Night in their different languages. And then they retreated to their individual trenches. That's a miracle. That's a Christmas miracle that provided peace but for a day, for a day. What about that peace, the peace within that can go on forever? Billy Graham, you know the name. Although younger people today don't know the name, but Billy Graham, he was once asked, you know, you've spoken around the world of the millions of people you've spoken to. Is there, is there one theme that is consistent among all of them? And his simple response was this, forgiveness. Peace with God. How can I be forgiven? Not just for a day, but forever. You can go around the world. I don't care what culture you go to. We are incurably religious. We know there is a God, and every culture tries to find some way to appease their God. And, you know, in my 30-plus years of pastoring, I've had the privilege to be different places in the world and see some amazing things. I remember seeing money tied to a tree in hopes that it would appease their God. I watched a group of Mozambican immigrants in Swaziland dance around a tree, throwing salt and money at it, hoping to appease their God. I've seen 
ancestor huts built in the backyards of homes where the family members would go and try to appease their ancestors, just trying to make them happy so they could have a place in eternity wherever they are. The list goes on and on and on. Incense burning, bringing food to temples. But what have, what have you tried? What do you think? How have you tried to make things right with God? To find that forgiveness, not just for a day, but for a, for a lifetime, to make peace with God? takes a miracle. It takes a Christmas miracle. It's nothing we can do. It's God reaching down to us, which is why I love this verse. She will give birth. Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I understand. For 20 years, I lived this way. I I never gave much thought to what Christmas really meant, but it's the story of God writing himself into human history. It's the story of a a baby growing up to be a man who would go on to live a perfect life, who then would absorb your sin and my sin onto himself so that when we believe, we can have peace with God, which is what Paul says later on. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by believing, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. World War I, it's a wonderful story of peace for a day. But through Jesus, we have peace now, peace forever. And one day, Jesus will bring peace on earth, which is why we light the peace candle. And so we end with the Christ candle, which is at the center. And it's at the center of the Advent wreath because Jesus is the embodiment, the repository of hope and love and joy and peace. He's the source of hope and love and joy and peace. He's the giver of hope and love and joy and peace. Which brings us back to the verse we began with. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I think we can agree that God took on human form and came and lived among us. But here's the question. Has he moved into your neighborhood? Not your neighborhood, but into your life. Has he moved into your life? That's an important question. We start there. That's how we grow in hope and love and joy and peace. Some years ago, I learned to summarize the entire Bible from the very beginning to the end with four words. God, us, Christ, you. God has a plan for us. He has a purpose for each person, for you. But us, we, have a problem. Our sin separates us from God, and we cannot make peace with God on our own. It takes a Christmas miracle And so Christ, God, us, Christ, he came to us and took our sins onto himself so that we could have peace with him. But it always ends up with you. Christ, us, God. Christ, us, Christ. God, us, Christ. You, you, me. We each have a response to make. Do I believe that? Will I follow Christ? 
You know, here at the chapel, we have a tagline, if you want to call it that. It's just one step closer. We want each person to take one step closer. Maybe, maybe today you're, you're already you're already over the line of faith. You're a Christ follower. May this Christmas season be one where you slow down and remember what Christmas is all about. And perhaps the Advent wreath and lighting the candles can help you. That's what it's all about. Christ came for me. And he wants to build into me a sense of hope and love and joy and peace. And perhaps you're unsure still of where you are with God, with Jesus. I talked to a lady last night who was unsure after the service. Maybe that's you. Talk to me or talk to any of us on staff. We want to help you take your next step closer to God through Christ. Let's pray together. And as we pray, I'm going to just read as a, as a benediction from my first Bible ever what we read earlier. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels won't and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow. Or where we are, high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. And so, God, we have gathered together to celebrate Christ and the eventual appearing, the revealing of Christ on Christmas Day. Would you help us to slow down and to put things into perspective with grateful hearts? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.